You are listening to Understanding Christianity. I'm your host, Pastor Sean Cole. I'm the lead pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Sterling, Colorado. I also serve as an adjunct instructor at Colorado Christian University. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I've been doing some reading of some of the Reformers and the Puritans, and I really enjoy the works of John Owen. And in John Owen, Volume 10, The Works of John Owen, he has a famous, it's actually one of his first works that he did, but it's in Volume 10. It's called A Display of Arminianism. And what he does in this book, in this work, is he addresses a lot of the errors of the Arminian theology. And obviously, John Owen is a Reformed theologian. He was a Congregationalist, not necessarily a Presbyterian. Was very helpful in uh, coming up with a lot of the main tenets of the Savoy Declaration in Britain during that time. But it was interesting, as I was reading this work, a display of Arminianism, in chapter 13, I came across a very interesting passage and a very interesting set of teachings. As I was reading this chapter, what really stuck out to me is that many of the arguments that he is making here are some of the key tenets of modern-day provisionism that Leighton Flowers and others, especially at Soteriology 101, hold to, and I found it very interesting. And so this chapter is titled, Of the Power of Free Will in Preparing Us for Our Conversion Unto God. And as I was reading this, I, I wrote a note here, and this is on page 123 of, volume, uh, of, of the Death of Christ, Volume 10 in the Works of John Owen by the Banner of Truth. I wrote, these are the key tenets of provisionism. And so I thought I'd do a little short podcast just uh, telling you what John Owen wrote many, many years ago in arguing against Arminianism. What he ends up doing is he articulates many of what are the modern-day key tenets of provisionism. So I'm just going to read this, and then I'm going to make some comments on what the provisionists believe. And again, I've done many interactions with the provisionists over the years. I feel like I have done a fairly good job of accurately representing their point of view. They are not Arminian in the traditional sense of the word. They are what they would call provisionists. They used to be called traditional Southern Baptists, but they've changed their terminology to be called provisionists. So let's just read, let me read to you uh, some of these statements from John Owen, and you be the judge as to whether you think these reflect modern-day tenets of provisionism. And so here's, basically, he's, he's dealing with Arminians in his day, but here he says, first, and these are the things that he says, that he disagrees with, and he says these are the following, um, basically, positions that the Arminians hold to. He says, first, that every man in the world, reprobates and others, have in themselves power and ability of believing in Christ, of repenting and yielding due obedience to the new covenant, and that because they lost not this power by the fall of Adam. That, to me, is a very clear representation of provisionist theology. Now, again, John Owen is dealing with Arminianism of his day, but notice what he says. He basically says that what the Arminians of his day, and this is what he's saying, this is what he's asserting, but let's just look at what he says, that 
Every man in the world, every single person has within themselves the power and ability of believing in Christ, of repenting, and that they did not lose this power in Adam. Now that's provisionism to a T. They believe in libertarian free will. They believe that all humans have the inherent ability to respond positively to the gospel appeal when it is presented. Yes, they affirm total depravity and that we are sinful, but there is nothing in the fall of Adam that renders humans enslaved to sin, spiritually dead, incapable of coming to Christ, morally or spiritually unable. All humans retain the ability after the fall to respond positively to the gospel appeal. They have in themselves the power and ability of believing in Christ, of repenting. That's what John Owen says the Arminians of his day believed, and I believe that is what the provisionists of our day believe. He says, second, that for the reducing of this power into act, that men may become actual believers, there is no infused habit of grace, no spiritual vital principle necessary for them are bestowed upon them. But everyone, by the use of his native endowments, doth make himself different from others. Okay, let me explain what John Owen's saying there. He's basically saying that there is no need for a, what the provisionists would call, a mystical or an extra supernatural infusion of grace within the soul to overcome total inability causing the person to be born again or granting them the gifts of repentance and faith. They have native endowments is what John Owen says. And what he means by native endowments is they have the libertarian free will in and of themselves to believe, to actually become believers. There's no need for what Leighton Flowers and others would call an extra grace. Remember, they believe that there is grace needed in order to become a believer in Jesus Christ. And their definition of grace is merely the gospel appeal, the information of the gospel. When someone presents the gospel to you, it is the grace sufficient, it is the grace needed to enable you to make a response. So you have the native endowment, as John Owen would say, you have the natural ability, you have the libertarian free will to respond positively to the gospel appeal when presented to you. You don't need any type of regeneration. You don't need any type of effectual calling. You don't need any type of internal supernatural work to overcome the effects of the fall. Now, historical, traditional Arminians actually believe the same way that we as Reformed Calvinists believe, that there is spiritual deadness. There is a total and moral spiritual inability. And so even Arminians believe that there has to be some type of prevenient grace going into the soul of a believer to overcome the effects of spiritual deadness. Now, the Arminians believe that that can be resisted. It's not effectual. It's not irresistible. And that, that um, grace, that prevenient grace, is given to all people, not just to the elect. And so what the provisionists believe is that the only grace necessary to believe is the presentation of the gospel. That is the grace. Where we as Calvinists in the Reformed theology, would say, no, we are spiritually dead, we are in bondage to sin, and supernatural grace needs to come deep within our soul through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit to overcome that deadness and to grant us new life. Our 
nature needs to be changed so that we can repent and believe. We don't have any natural endowments or native endowments, as John Owen would say. We don't have the libertarian free will in and of ourselves just to believe the gospel appeal when it's presented. We need supernatural grace. And what John Owen is saying is back then in that day, he says that the Arminians of his day, and again, he's dealing with the Arminians of his day, saying that there, there's, there's no need for an in, infused habit of grace. Now, an infused habit of grace, would, what, we would be call, what we would call the effectual calling or irresistible grace or sovereign regeneration. It's very interesting what John Owen goes on to say. He actually basically, again, defines or clarifies what the provisionist position is today. He says... They are forced to confess some evangelical grace, though consisting only in a moral persuasion by the outward preaching of the word. Okay, that's provisionism. Moral persuasion by the outward preaching of the word. That's the evangelical grace that the provisionists say is the only grace necessary. The only grace necessary to enable a sinner to respond positively to the gospel is moral persuasion by the outward preaching of the word. Again, there's no need for an internal, effectual calling or irresistible grace given into the heart of a lost person to overcome the effects of moral and spiritual inability. And so, again, I just found this fascinating as I was reading John Owen. I'm like, wow, he is articulating a lot of the main tenets and arguments that the provisionists are putting forward today as he was interacting with the Arminians of his day. Now, here's the third thing that I thought was very interesting, especially when you listen to Leighton Flowers and others talk about Cornelius and others who may have been predisposed to believe This is what he says. Thirdly, God sends the gospel and reveals Christ Jesus unto men according as they well dispose themselves for such a blessing. As they well dispose themselves for such a blessing. So people like um, Cornelius in the book of Acts and basically saying that um, they were called because they were serving God with all their hearts, according to the knowledge that they had of him. So they were ready to obey the preaching of Peter when Peter showed up. In other words, he's saying Cornelius was a God-fearer. He understood who God was, and he disposed himself to be ready so that when Peter came with the gospel, he was ready to receive that. And that God sends the gospel and, and gets men prepared to reveal Christ to them because they disposed themselves to such a blessing. And Owen says, strange doctrine that men should fear God, know him, serve him in sincerity before they ever heard of the gospel. And by these means deserve that it should be preached unto them. And so basically he's saying that, you know, it's, it's crazy that unregenerate men who don't know Jesus because they're serving God, they're a God-fearer, per se. They're a, gen- they're a Gentile who has been um, converted to the Judaism of their day, like Cornelius. It's strange that um, they would somehow deserve the gospel to come to them because they had disposed themselves to be ready to receive the gospel when it came to them. And that's really one of the arguments that Leighton Flowers and others say about Cornelius, that he was a God-fearer. He had already knew who God was, and so when, when Peter came, preached the gospel to him he was already prepared to receive the gospel 
uh, because he was predisposed and God, as, as John Owen would say here, God gave him that blessing because somehow he deserved it. He says the sum of their doctrine then, in this particular concerning the power of free will, state of sin and unregeneration is this. Okay, so he says this is the sum of their doctrine. And so I'm going to read this and see if, you see, see if you think this sounds like provisionism. Okay, here he goes. Quote, that every man having a native inbred power of believing in Christ upon the revelation of the gospel has also an ability in doing so much good as shall procure of God that gospel to be preached unto him, to which without any internal assistance of grace he can give assent and yield obedience, the preparatory acts of his own will always proceeding so far as to make him excel others who do not perform them and are therefore excluded from farther grace, which is more gross Pelagianism than Pelagium himself would ever justify. Okay, let's break that down. Again, he says here, here I'm going to sum, John Owen says, I'm going to summarize their view. Every man has a native inbred power of believing in Christ upon the revelation of the gospel. That's provisionism. Every person has the innate power to believe the gospel when the gospel appeal is given to them. And then it also says that there's no internal assistance of grace. You can basically choose to believe without any internal assistance of grace. Again, there's no need for supernatural regeneration. There's no need for what they provisionists would call a mystical or extra special grace given into the heart. Again, the grace is the outward gospel appeal. And then basically says if you end up believing, you have reason to boast because you were able to do something better than somebody else was able to do. And John Owen basically says in a very strong statement, this is gross Pelagianism more than Pelagian himself would ever justify. So it's, it's interesting. We often say things like, well, provisionism is not semi-Pelagianism. It's the, the boogeyman, Pelagianism. Again, this is contextually out of, out of context, okay? So historically, John Owen is not saying provisionism is Pelagianism, okay? John Owen is not interacting with provisionism. Provisionism is a modern theology within the past 50 or 60 years, predominantly within Southern Baptist circles. What John Owen is saying is that the view he just articulated, he calls something even Pelagius would not recognize. And so the tenets that John Owen just said Pelagius would not even recognize, those tenets are the tenets of provisionism today. And I've argued in other podcasts that I do believe that provisionism is semi-Pelagianism. So in the rest of this chapter, what John Owen goes on to do is basically say, we reject all these positions, and we assert the following. So, so what does he assert? So again, he, he, he says, we, we reject these things that he's just said, and he summarized what I believe is modern-day provisionism. And then he says, here's, here's what we assert biblically. And again, this is what we as Reformed would assert as well. He says, first, that we being by nature dead in trespasses and sins have no power to prepare ourselves for the receiving of God's grace, nor in the least measure to believe and turn ourselves unto him. Okay, that is basically the doctrine of total inability. We're dead in our sins and trespasses, according to Ephesians chapter 1. He also quotes that. He also quotes Romans chapter 8, verse 6. 
and that we can't prepare ourselves, we can't come to Christ, we can't believe and repent. There's nothing in us, there's no native ability within us to do that because we are spiritually dead in our sins. He says, our new birth is a resurrection from death, wrought by the greatness of God's power. And what ability, I pray, hath a dead man to prepare himself for his resurrection? Can he collect his scattered dust or renew his perished senses? The answer is no. So we are spiritually dead, and we cannot come to faith in Christ unless God does something to overcome that deadness. And then he says, secondly, there's not only an impotency, but an enmity and corrupt nature to anything spiritually good. Now, this is an important point he makes. He says, not only is there moral inability, we can't, we can't come, but he says there's an enmity, meaning there's a, there's an, there's a hatred within our heart of the things of God. Not only do we not, not only are we not able to come to Christ, we emphatically don't want to come to Christ. We are God haters to the core before regeneration. So not only do we lack the power to come, the native ability to come, we absolutely do not want to come because we are stubborn in our deadness. So we have moral inability and we also have a spiritual hatred of the things of God. So our depravity, our deadness, our enslavement to sin is so deep that it renders us unable to come, and not just unable to come, but hating the very thought of coming. So God has to do a deep spiritual work of regeneration deep in our hearts to overcome that. And again, the provisionists don't have that view of man. They don't believe that there's this inbred hatred of God, that we are God-haters. They don't believe that we have this moral and spiritual inability that renders us not able to come. They believe that all you need is the gospel appeal. That's the sufficient grace. And when the gospel appeal is given, you have the natural ability to believe on Jesus. Here's his conclusion to this chapter. He says, You will say here, I quite overthrow free will which before I seem to grant, to which I answer, that in regard of that object concerning which now we treat, a natural man, a natural man talking about an unsaved and unregenerate man, has no such thing as free will at all. If you take it for a power of doing that which is good and well-pleasing unto God and things spiritual, for any ability of preparing our hearts unto faith and calling upon God, a homebred self-sufficiency preceding the change of our wills by the almighty grace of God, whereby any good should be said to dwell in us. And we utterly deny that there is any such thing in the world. So he's very strong on here saying, there is no such thing as libertarian free will in the sense that you have the power to do that which is good in believing upon Jesus or calling upon the Lord. He says, you can't do that. We reject that. There is no such thing as libertarian free will. And so as I was reading the works of John Owen, volume 10, by Banner of Truth, his work on the display of Arminianism, chapter 13, I was just actually kind of shocked that John Owen, in interacting with the Arminians of his day, articulated the key points of modern-day provisionism and addressed those in very forceful ways. 
And so I just wanted to share that with you. If you haven't read much of John Owen, you really should. Volume 10 is, is excellent in the works of John Owen because it also has the death of death and the death of Christ, which is the greatest treatment, I think, on definite atonement or limited atonement or particular redemption. And so it's, an, it's a wonderful work by John Owen, one of my favorite Puritans, I think the most theologically rich of all the Puritans. And so hopefully this short podcast has helped you understand a little bit of history, a little bit of the writings of John Owen, and just how sometimes when you're reading things in your spare time, you come across issues that relate to modern day theological controversies related to um, the, the differences between provisionist theology and reformed theology. Well, Thank you for listening to Understanding Christianity. I'd love to hear from you. If you have some ideas for a future podcast, please go to my website, seancole.net. I would love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus.